Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. Do you know though, do you know why it was so good? It's because you're all singing. <laughs> like you can have no band and you can sing and God will just want to be there. And uh, you know, we can praise him with instruments. The Bible talks about that, but he says so many times to sing praises to God. So I encourage you, every time you show up, don't let the band do all the singing. Don't let the musicians do all the playing. Sing. Sing with all your heart. Because that's what draws God close and, and he just wants to be with us and, and he moves in the place. For your word tonight, it would speak to our hearts, Lord, and change our lives. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can take a seat. Um, pre-warning, this message could be challenging. That's your pre-warning. I want to talk to you tonight about, uh, I'll tell you the subject in a minute, but, you know, um, we see in, in, you know, in soldiers, in, in armies and things like that, that they go out to battle or go out to do something, a task, and they have a plan to do it, and they have their first plan A, and then if plan A doesn't work, they have a fallback position and a, this position, and, and they have a plan in place if the first thing doesn't work. If you're in a sporting team, a high-level sporting team, and, and you go out and play, the coach will have a, a plan, this is our plan A, and uh, we're going to go out and do that, and then if that doesn't work, we're going to move this here and do that, and we'll do this, and then they adjust this and adjust that. They have all these plans in case it work. When I go out fishing, I have about six different plans. The first plan doesn't work. I move to the next spot. That's plan B. Then plan C, D, E, F, G, H. And sometimes I get to plan Z. And plan Z always comes through. And um, But so we can go through life. And there's nothing wrong uh, with going through life. And, you know, we plan things. We plan to buy something or build something or do something or start something. And you have your your goal. And, uh, and then if that goal doesn't quite work, it's okay. We can have some goals and think, oh, well, we'll do it this way. We'll adjust this if we need to. But tonight, I want to talk about there's no plan B because when salvation, and that's what I'm talking about, in God's plan, when it came to our salvation, God did not have a plan B. He had no plan B. He only had a plan A. He didn't have an angel set up as a plan B. He wasn't looking down there and uh, Jesus is there, down there, you know, get Jesus in the garden. The Bible talks about Jesus being in the garden when he's like, where he's praying and he's saying, God, if there's any other way can it, to take this, you know, from me, is there any other way? And, and he wasn't sort of up there with Gabriel next to him going, oh, Gabriel, what if Jesus doesn't come through? What are we going to do? I might have to send you down there and you can just show up and say, stop sending a bunch of naughty people, and say, you know, take your sword and scare him a bit or something, poke him a few times, and or do whatever. He didn't, there wasn't any conversation like that. God sent his son, his one and only son. That was his one plan, no backup plan, no other plan to save us. People up until Jesus came did other things to atone for their sin, but it was never the end goal for God. That was for a period of time, but Jesus was always the plan from the beginning of time. When sin came into the world, Jesus was always the plan. And so he didn't have a backup plan. It was only Jesus, and Jesus was the only way. The Bible says this, and Jesus said this himself. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. 
Jesus said, I am the way. I'm the only way. He's the only way. You can't get there through any other religion. Muhammad, Buddha, they won't get you to the Father. They won't get you to God. You can try to be really good and be generous and be kind and help and all. And God says to do all those things, but it won't earn you salvation. We can't get there by good works. It's only through Jesus, only through one plan, one way. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So God had no plan B in saving you. That should actually give you some hope and comfort that he, that you are so important that he, it wasn't even a thought in his mind is maybe this will work. He was so confident in making that plan where he was so confident that he would save us through Jesus that he had no backup plan. He didn't have plan number two, three, four, five, and six. He just had one plan because he was so confident that that was enough, that Jesus was enough, and we know that he was. So God was 100% committed to you, 100% committed to you, and he still is. He's 100% committed to you. Just think about that for a moment. He 100% believes in you. He 100% is for you and not against you. He's the greatest coach. He's the greatest leader. He's the greatest captain. He's the greatest father, heavenly father. He's tough when he needs to be tough, but also he's loving and kind at the same time. He's 100% for you. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows what you're going through. He understands life. He understands your thoughts. He understands your heart. He understands how you were made because He made you. He understands how your body works. He knows how to fix you up when you're broken. He knows how to heal you. He knows how to comfort you through His Holy Spirit when you're feeling broken and down. He knows how to mend a broken heart. He knows the right path for your life. He knows the way you should live. He knows the best way for you to live life. He's got, he's got the ultimate plan if we allow, if we listen to Him and follow Him. He knows the best way for your life. He's 100% committed to you, fully committed. And He sacrificed His most valuable gift. He sacrificed the most valuable thing to Him, and that was His Son, Jesus, because He's 100% committed to you. And the other thing He's committed to is that He 100% wants personal relationship with you. He wants, to, he wants to speak to you clearly. He wants you to hear His voice. He wants to, you to know His voice. You can speak to Him on a daily basis. He doesn't want you to be distant from Him. He wants you to be close to Him. So God had no plan B in saving you. So we're talking about salvation. We're talking about God's plan for your life. So here's the question I want to ask tonight. So when you decided to follow Jesus, did you go into that decision 100% committed to God? Or did you go into that decision with a plan B as a backup plan? Just, just in case. Just in case Jesus doesn't work. Just in case Jesus doesn't come through for me, I've got a plan B. I've got a, I've got a backup plan. Maybe, maybe you did and maybe you've worked through that and maybe it's different now, but maybe you're sitting here tonight and you're saying, yeah, I want to follow God, but 
I've got, I've got kind of this plan. The problem with a backup plan is when you've got a backup plan and you go to use it, you've got to back up. And so you've got to, you've got to lose ground. You've got, you've got to lose ground again because it's your backup plan. It's not, it's not with you. It's behind you. It's your backup. It's not the best plan. Your best plan was Jesus. But your back, backup plan, that's your second best. But when, when, oh, when it's a bit tough... When maybe Jesus doesn't do it the way you want to do it, I want to go back to my backup plan because it's easier and it's more comfortable. So are you living life, are you living your salvation with a backup plan in mind? Now, I, just, I thought of a few songs regarding no, no plan, two no plan B songs. Some of you will know these songs. The first one's, I've decided to follow Jesus. I've decided to follow, I won't read every, every word because I'll get monotonous. I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. We've all sung the song. Are we living the song? That's an older song. Some of you have got, what song's that? Um, if you're under whatever age. I'm not going to say any ages. I have decided to follow, we know the song, it's a simple song, but just think about it. I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no backup plan. No turning back. I'm only, I'm only, I've decided to follow Jesus. What about the next verse? Though none go with me, I still will follow. No turning back. Now, now right there, that catches people up. Though none go with me, I still will follow. You know, when you, when you decide to follow Jesus, some people won't go with you. You will lose some friends. Maybe it will strain family relationships when you decide to follow Jesus. Though none go with me, I still will follow. And, so, and some people are like, oh no, I want, my friend, I want my friends there. I want to hang on to my friends. I want them to go. But your friends go, oh, we don't want to follow Jesus. And you'll say, oh, I want to follow, but we don't want to. And they're like, no, come this way. Oh, no, I want to follow. No, come this way. No, I want to follow Jesus. No. Oh, okay, yeah, well, I better not follow Jesus because I want to hang on to my friends. Though none go with me, I still will follow. How's your backup plan? Have you got one? Third verse, my cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. What is that talking about? The Bible is a scripture that talks about to pick up our cross and to carry it. That's not talking about like Jesus didn't actually physically carry a cross and, and be crucified. It's talking about... There's things you will have to go through in life that to live and fulfill the plan God has for you, there's some things you'll have to go through. There's some things you have to carry that other people won't have to carry. Everyone's cross can be different. You'll face some challenges. You'll face some trials. Jesus said you will have trouble. And he said, but I'll always be there, but you're going to have trouble. And whether you follow Jesus or not, you're going to have trouble, okay? So trouble's just there, okay? So you may as well be following Jesus and go through it with him than without him. So there's, you're going, to, there's going to be a cross, though, to carry. And it's going to get a little bit tough, and it's going to get um, heavy and a bit awkward. And you're going to go, oh, this is hard. This is not easy. This is hard. And this song is saying, my cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. In other words... It may be a bit tough, but I'm going, to, I'm going to follow you. And I'm not going to turn back. Even when it gets tough, I'm not going to turn back. And the last verse says this. The world behind me, the cross before. No turning back. No turning back. The things of this world will always want to pull you back 
to the things of the world. They'll always want to pull you back and say, no, come and do this. More fun doing this. Come and do this. It'll be fun. It might be fun for a second, but it might, then you're going to be in a world of trouble and go, what, what am I back here for? I should be up here. I don't want to be back in my plan B. I, don't want to, I need to be following him. So there's the world, world, but there's things we just don't do. There's things we just don't get apart, especially if we've come out of that stuff. And if you've come out of different scenes in the world and different, attached to different things, you're like, oh, I need to get out of that because it's destroying my life. We're talking about the sin of the world. We're talking about the stuff, the junk and, the, and stuff that goes on in our world. It says, the world behind me, the cross before, the cross before. Here's another song. This one's a bit newer. One Way Jesus. Remember the one, One Way you know, that one, we did all the actions, and all the kids jumped around. Okay, one way, Jesus. I lay, I lay my life down at your feet, because you're the only one I need. I turn to you, and you are always there. In troubled times, it's you I seek. I put you first. That's all I need. I humble all I am, all to you. One way, Jesus. You're the only one that I could live for. I know, you're going to start singing. It's okay. Then it says, you are always, you're always there. Every how and everywhere, your grace abounds so deeply within me. You will never, ever change. Yesterday, today, the same, forever, till forever meets no end. You are the way, the truth, and the life. We live by faith and not by sight. For you, we're living, is all we're living for. All we are, blah, blah, blah. Let me say that again. We're living all for you. We're living all for you. One way, gee, we sing that song, the action's happening, all that kind of stuff. And sometimes we sing songs and we're saying stuff. And then when you stop and think about it and go, that's pretty full on. It's like, it's, it's one way. There's not two ways. It's not two way, Jesus. It's not three way, Jesus. Oh, G- Jesus goes, here's three ways. You can follow me this way, this way, or this way. Which way do you want to choose? No, there's only one way. There's only one way. There's only one way. One way to follow Jesus with no backup plan. And God is saying, when you said, I will follow you. When you said, Jesus, please forgive me. And you prayed a prayer of salvation. You said, Jesus, be Lord of my life. In other words, you have complete control. From now on, I want to live the way you want me to live. I'm not going to live the way I used to. I'm stepping into a new life, leaving the old behind with no backup plan. Are you following Jesus and living for Him 100% or is there part of you that's kind of, I've got a backup plan just in case, just in case it doesn't work out, I'm just going to hang on to that thing. might be one thing. You might be saying, oh God, I'll give you 90% but you know, I just need to hang on to these things just in case. Because just in case, and so it becomes an issue of trust. Do you trust God with all your heart? Do you have faith in Him that He really said and He will really do what He said He would do? Or are you going, oh, I, I mostly believe it. I mostly believe it. It's good. It's good as long as everything works out good and I don't get uncomfortable. Nothing gets hard. Nothing gets too, too tough. As long as it's like that when I follow Jesus, I'll follow Him forever. But if it gets a bit tough, oh no, I'll, I'll, I'll just want to go back and do this because it's a bit easier. When, when you sort of want to, God says, oh, why don't you step out and just do this? And oh no, that's uncomfortable. I haven't done that before. I haven't done that. Oh no, God, don't, you're not. 
that can't be God. Okay, and that's not. I'll go, I'll go and listen to someone else. Do you think God would say that? Yeah, it probably was God. Oh, no, it couldn't be. Oh, I think I want to go back. I want to go back to my plan B. This is, oh, this is so much better. Plan B, but it's so unfulfilling. Oh, man, plan B is comfortable. Oh, after a while, plan B is boring. Oh, what are these people? Oh, they're all following Jesus. Oh, man, I should have stuck with Jesus. I'm stuck in plan B. I don't know how to get out of it. Are you living life with a plan B in mind? Luke 5, it says, this is when Jesus walked by and he has this encounter. He begins to speak to people and has the encounter with some of the disciples and he calls them to follow him. And uh, it says, One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. There were that, that many people that he was getting pushed into the water. They're all on the beach, they're all off the land, they're everywhere. And he said, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. I like this story because it talks about fish. Master, Simon replied, he worked hard, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. Now, this is Peter, Simon. His name gets changed to Peter, who's a very experienced fisherman. They all were. And they'd been out all night and caught no fish. But he said, oh, well, he just heard him talking and preaching and whatever he was saying. He said, because you said so, I'll do it. And this time the nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in other boats, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. It's a lot of fish. They were not small boats, they were big boats. And when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, O Lord, please leave me, I'm such a sinful man. That's the whole story here is about, well, Jesus grabbed Peter's boat, preached out of Peter's boat. Jesus did that for a reason, because it was Peter that encountered the power and love of God. In that moment, he had a revelation through all these fish. He said, well, he knew that was a miracle. That's like, that's, that's impossible. But that's what he related to. And so when he saw that this Jesus was not just an ordinary man, when he was like, this is like the real deal. This guy is like legit. Like he's like, this is full on. He goes, look, you need to get away from me because he, and so what happens is Jesus, through his generosity, through his kindness, through the preaching, it straight away affected Peter in a way that he, Peter realized through that, that his life was full of sin. And so I'm just a sinful, I'm, I'm not even worthy, Jesus to even be near you. That's what he was saying. He fell to his knees. I'm just a sinful man. He has an encounter with God right there. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. So these are all the fishermen. They're all together. They're just standing there going, What's going this is incredible. I've never seen anything like this. Then Jesus says this. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything 
and follow Jesus. When it says, when they left everything to follow Jesus, it literally means they left everything to follow Jesus. Their boats, their nets, their livelihood, their whole business just got left behind on the bank because they had an encounter with God. In other words, Peter said, there's no plan B. We're leaving all that behind. We'll follow you 100%. We're 100% committed. From that moment, he encountered something that was greater than what he was living. The life that he was living was just, let's go fishing all night long. Let's earn money. Let's fish. And he was doing through that. And suddenly he encounters the Son of God. He didn't even understand who he was at that moment. He just thought, this, this is a man of God. This is, this is a rabbi. This is someone that this is, I've never heard anything like this. And then he does this incredible miracle. And, he, and, he, and that miracle caused him to see that his life was broken. It was a mess. It was sinful. And he needed, he needed, a, he said, you can't be near me. You're too holy. You're too good to be near me. But Jesus lovingly says, no, it's okay. Don't be afraid. And then Jesus was a rabbi. And for a rabbi to ask you to follow him was a massive deal. Was like he, he would usually a rabbi in those days that the people that would follow him, they'd ask to follow, were people that had, knew, knew, had learned off by heart the first, first five books of the Bible. They understood, they had teaching, they were educated people. And Jesus goes to the most uneducated people. The, mo- the people that people wouldn't even look, oh, don't even go near the fishermen. They're just, they're useless. But, amen. And, and he went to the most uneducated people and he says, no, leave that. Come follow me. Don't be afraid. Come follow me. And, and Peter and the other disciples were like, we're all in. We're all in because what there's something that we've just seen that we've never, ever seen before. And we're all in. That represents salvation for them. That was like a moment where they encountered God. What was it like when you encountered God? Was it a moment where you go, man, my life's just a mess. It's full of sin. God, if you're so real, then how can you love someone like me? What kind of encounter did you, can you remember the day? And at that moment, was it like, God, I'm 100%? Or was it like, oh, this, this sounds good. It sound, I, I know I, I want that, but like, Part of me is like, oh, just in case it doesn't work, I'll just hang on to it. Just have a plan B, just in case. There was no plan B with these guys when they followed Jesus. Down the track in John 8 and John 6 we read, there's a time when Jesus is preaching to a crowd and many disciples were following him. There was the 12 disciples he'd already called, but then there was hundreds more that would follow him and said, we're disciples with Jesus and they would follow and they'd listen and they'd be with him wherever he went. And, and they all sat there and listened and they just basically said, this is so hard. We can't possibly. This is way too hard. How can we do this? And it says, from that time, many of his disciples, in John 6, 66 to 69, from that time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. They thought, nah, it's too tough. Too hard. I'm going back to plan B. I'll find someone else to follow. It's a bit easier. I'm going back. It's no juicy too. Oh, yeah, I know, but it's just, it's just too tough. And so, and then he says, turns to the 12 disciples. Uh, you don't want to leave too, do you? He says, Jesus turns to the 12, the ones that have been with him. Do you want to leave as well? Because it's probably the only ones left. And, and Jesus asked the 12. And Simon Peter, the one who fully committed, answered him, Lord, 
to whom shall we go? In other words, I've got no plan B. Was, these guys obviously did. The other the hundreds of others, oh, we got plan Bs. Simon, didn't you get a plan B? Oh, we got plan Bs put in our contract when we gave it to Jesus. And so we've got a plan B. But Simon Peter's like, I didn't, I'm, an, I'm an uneducated fisherman. I don't know about contracts and I don't know about plan Bs. And so I'm just following him. And so Jesus is like, you guys want to leave as well? And Simon Peter answers, Lord, we have no, where shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. And the, and the 12 are like, we're all in. Who else are we going to follow? We don't, we don't want to follow him. If they leave, we're still with you. We're still with you. They were with him right till the end. Peter had a bit of a setback for a bit. Denied Jesus three times. Jesus said, oh, you're going to do it. And he's like, oh, never do that. He did. But he reinstated him. But, the Jesus, but Peter, when filled with the Holy Spirit, was the one that stood up and preached the first sermon to 3,000 people. And they all said, we, we surrender our lives to Jesus. There was no plan B. Are you living with a plan B? Are you a disciple with a plan B? Are you a follower of Jesus with a plan B? Or are you 100% committed? It may be challenging to think about, but I want you to think about your life. Is, are you 100% committed to Him? When times get tough, when everything isn't smooth, when everything isn't going well, will tell you whether you're 100% committed or not. The way, the way your actions and your words and your life and, and the things that happen, what happens in your life, where you turn to and what you go to, in those times when the pressure's on, when it's not easy, will tell you if, Jesus, I've decided to follow you, no turning back. So then, I just thought about this. You know, I'm convinced that when we hear about men and women of God around the world that see extraordinary miracles and moves of God, I think it simply comes down that they're not better than anyone else. They haven't done anything more to deserve it than anyone else, I think it just comes down to this. They have no plan B. They have no plan B. They just are fully committed to God. They're willing to say, God, here I am. I believe you. I have my trust and my faith is totally in you. I'm 100% committed to you. And when God has a person's heart and has their will to say, God, I'm with you 100%, God will move through anybody that is 100% committed to him fully committed fully trusting complete faith in God following Jesus isn't about adding him to your life you can't just I know people that have been in say new age and things like that and they maybe serve or other religions and they serve other gods and people said oh well just yeah I believe in Jesus and I like add Jesus in to something else they're serving or following or whatever and they're like, oh, well, I'll follow Jesus as well, and I'll follow that, and I'll follow that, and I'll follow that. And, and people have tried to do that. Jesus isn't an add-on. He's not an add-on. Jesus should affect every area of your life and be a part of every area of your life. It's not about just adding Him in there as part of everything else. When you follow Jesus, He affects everything. In other words, a whole lot of stuff should change. A whole lot of stuff in your life should change when you follow Jesus 100%. If Jesus is an add-on, then we treat him like an accessory and use him when needed. Ever treated Jesus like an accessory? 
oh, tough, like, God, God, I need you now. Please, please help me and please answer that prayer. And he answers the prayer. They're like, oh, thank you for that. And then you go off and just, oh, I don't need you now. I'll, just, I'll be back. Just I'll let you know when. So I've seen people live like that. Accessorizing Jesus. Got the accessory. Oh, yeah, I follow Jesus. When I need him, I follow him. And when I need him, I do that. But other times, it's just, oh, it's okay. He's good with it. It's no plan B. Jesus is an accessory. He is everything. He wants to be a part of everything. He he's in your, he's Jesus in your workplace, Jesus in your home life, Jesus in your, when you're by yourself, Jesus in, when you're playing sport, Jesus when you're uh, doing whatever you may be doing, Jesus in every conversation. He's not something that is added on. He's in everything. He's with everything. He's in every part of your life. That's about living 100% for Him. I'm reminded, and uh, Pastor Ross and Rach were there. I was reminded when we were in, um, and Matt might have been there too, I think. Yes, you were. We were, went to um, India, and uh, we visited a Bible college and uh, about years ago now, and uh, 10 years ago or something. And we um, were over there, and there was, um, we visited this Bible college, and we met these young guys who are early 20s, maybe, and some, I think, were under 20, a couple of them. And, uh, and they were, we went there, and Pastor Ross was speaking to them, and we met them and said hi. And they were training for one year, that uh, once they'd been in this Bible college in India, and these are some of the people we support through missions, that they would go back and then start a church. And then after they'd spoken, they were so hungry for God, just wanted to meet us, and they were just listening and hungry, and, and you know, just you could see it in their faces. Then afterwards, I remember Pastor Abraham talked to us and told us some stories about some of these young men. And some of them at that time, there was a, there was a lot of persecution happening in the state of Orissa, and, uh, and some of those boys were from Orissa. And because they went to Bible college, their families were being killed. Some of their families were being killed. They were being beaten up. They were being tortured. And while they're studying, their families are, are getting, you know, pursued by, by all these militants and, and all these terrible things are happening. And they come out of terrible situations. And, and after 12 months, Pastor Abram said, those young men are going to go to Bible college and they're going to go back to their state with their families and they're going to plant churches. They know they're going to get beaten up. They know that what they're in for and they're going to do it willingly because they're 100%. 100% committed. In our Western world, we have, it's, it's easier to be a Christian in the Western world. It is. We can say it's, you know, it's the same, but it's, it's, there's some places that you, you're either 100% or you're not. You're, it's not. It's not like I'm nearly there because... If you're, you're kind of stuck in the middle, you're 100% or you're nothing. And, and so in our Western world, there's so many things that we can just step back into. And, and I, I'm living for Jesus, but at the same time, there's these things where we can live comfortable and we can not have to step out, but we're not really giving 100%. We're not really all in. When we're all in, there's a few things. When, when it, what does it mean to follow Jesus with no plan B? Here's six things. Six things are what it means. It means you need to leave some things behind when you follow Jesus. There's some things you're going to leave behind. Peter left all that stuff behind. He left away his nets. I'm not saying you have to leave your business or all that behind, but there's some things in your life. Usually it's things that have attached to your life that are causing you to brokenness and sin and stuff like that. There's some things that you will have to leave behind when you follow Jesus. What are those things? Maybe you haven't left them behind. Maybe you left some behind, but maybe there's a few of them you hang on to and going, oh, just in case, just in case it doesn't work out, I can go back to that. No, God is saying, leave it behind and follow me 100%. 
He wants our whole hearts. He wants all of you, not just some of you. It means being 100% committed. It means you will have to trust God when you don't know the answer. It means you're not going to know the answer to everything. You're not going to see the answer. You're not going to be in total control. That's called living by faith. It means walking by faith when you step into something you've never done before. God's going to ask you to do some things you've never done before. And you're going to go, okay, and you're going to step. It's like you're going to step out until you can't see where you're stepping out into. And you're going to step out and God's going to be right there with you. And it's going to be incredible, but you've got to take a step of faith to get there. So when, there's, when you're living for God with no plan B, there's going to be times when you're going to step out of faith into things you've never done before. Number five, it means when you face trouble, when you face troubles in life, you won't back down, but will overcome. When there's no plan B, there's no like, oh, well, this is getting a bit tough. I can get back to here. Now you've got no plan B. So it's like, I'm just going to overcome. I'm going to be an overcomer in Christ. I'm going to push through. No matter, no matter what comes against me, I know Jesus is greater. And if he's called me to do it, I will overcome it. So you overcome things. You overcome troubles. You overcome hurdles. You overcome mountains. You overcome things that get tough. You find a way to overcome because you're trusting in God. And number six, it means you will see the power of God at work and you will see miracles happen. Because 100% people will see the same things the disciples saw. They'll see the same things that Jesus did. You will see the power of God. You'll see miracles happen. You'll see the miraculous because God's power will willingly flow through you. God said, you're 100%. I'll give you 100%. I'll give you your full potential. I'll give you full measure. Whoever wants to follow me 100% will have full measure. My Holy Spirit will flow through you. It's not about you. It's about your willingness to follow Him with your whole heart. 100%. You'll see miracles happen. See signs and wonders. You'll see breakthrough. You'll see incredible things. It's no wonder those same Bible college students in India go back and start a church and they pray for the sick and they hands on them and they they recover. The dead get raised. Legs grow. Blind eyes see. Deaf ears hear. Because they're 100%. 100% committed. What about this list? What if you have a plan B? You'll follow Jesus until it gets tough and then you'll start to think about your plan B. You'll start to look back and go, oh, do I need to plan B, my backup plan? The enemy will always remind you that you can turn back at any time. If you've always got a backup plan, he's going to be in there going, oh, you can always just, you've got your backup plan. It's all right. You can always go back to that. It's all right. God won't, God won't mind. You can do some of that stuff, but don't do all of it. It's too hard. Don't be, God, you know, how, how mean is God making you do that? Taking up all your time. Making you go through that tough time. How, oh, he's terrible. I, you, I'd go back to your backup plan. The enemy will speak to you. He'll try and put, he'll lie to you. He'll deceive you. He doesn't love you. He hates you. He wants to destroy you. He wants you to die. He wants you to go to hell. He doesn't want anything good for you. He wants you to go back to your backup plan. As far away from God as possible. He doesn't want you to be in the presence of God. He doesn't want you to be influenced by God. He doesn't want you to follow God because as soon as you do, you're a threat to Him. 
And he's like, I can't handle that. If you're 100%, then I've got no, nothing. You can, I can't stop you. So go back to your backup plan. But if you've got no backup plan, then the enemy's going to be squashed. The enemy's going to be stopped. The enemy's going to be like, well, I, I can't contend with someone who's 100%. If they're only 80 or 90%, I've got something to work with. But if you're 100%, the enemy can try all he wants, but he's going to fail. He's going to, and in the end, he's going to, oh, there's nothing I can do. He's going to throw things at you. You can do stuff to you, but you're going to overcome. You're going to overcome. You're going to overcome. You're going to recognize it's the enemy, and you're going to keep going. And you've got no backup plan. You're 100%. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, you've got to come through. I, I trust you. I, I maybe I'm dealing with this issue, but God, I trust in you. You're my healer. You're my strength. You're my hope. I'm 100% committed. If you've got a backup plan, the enemy will remind you. You can always go back. Number three. You'll find things other than God to trust in and be scared to step into something new that God is calling you to do. To be like, oh, no, this looks, sounds a bit tough. I can't step into that. You know, oh, I, I can, I'll trust in that. It's easier. But God, I can't trust you because I'm not sure. I can't see. I don't know exactly what you're going to do. That's the whole point of faith. Number four, you won't reach your full potential. You won't. You won't reach everything God has called you to do. You will not reach your full potential if you don't follow 100%. Number five, you will always live half committed to the things of God, neither hot nor cold, but lukewarm. Jesus said that in Revelation 3 to the full on 100%, or be cold, like don't live for me at all, but don't be stuck in the middle, don't be half committed. Because he said, you'll just, you'll just be stuck there somewhere and I can't use you. You're like, you're gonna, oh, I'm sort of there, but I'm sort of here. And I've got, I'm a bit, I've got one foot in my backup plan and one foot here following you and I'm stuck. And I'm about to do the splits and hurt myself. So I've got to, I've, and God says, well, get out of that and follow me 100%. The last one is you will hear about the miraculous, but you'll never live it. You'll hear about it. You'll hear the incredible stories. Do you hear God did that? That's so awesome. But you'll never experience it. You'll never live it. Because you kind of you're there, but God says, Oh, I want, I want you to see, I want to use you, I want to flow through you. But if you're not, but if you've got to be 100 percent You've got to lift him with all your heart. And you hear about it, and you can even go, Yeah, that's so good. And your heart's going, I oh, so dead, I want to see that happen. And God's saying, Well then get rid of your plan B back and give me a hundred percent. Give me your whole heart. Lay it down. Lay down the stuff that you're trusting in that than you are. You're trusting that than more than you're trusting God. Let go of that stuff. Follow Him with all your heart. I'm going to finish with this story. And I'll paraphrase some of it. But there's a story in 1 Kings. And it talks about Elijah calls Elisha. And it says, So Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shephat, plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. Now that cloak that Elisha is the represented man of God on earth at that time. The cloak represents the anointing of God that he carried with him. Okay, it's like, um, and so he carried those, his prayer shawl, his cloak he wore, and he throws it over his shoulder to say, I'm, you're, you're my next recruit. You're like the next in line because God had told him to do that. And so 
Elisha left, and the oxen uh, left. Elisha left the oxen standing there. Ran after Elijah and said to him, First, let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I will go with you." Elisha replied, "Go on back, but think about what I have done to you." So Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. This is what he does. This is his business slaughtered them and he used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh he passed around the meat to the townspeople and they all ate then he went to Elijah as his assistant so it's like if you put this in modern terms a farmer not that farmers suggest you do this but he basically got called by God by this man of God and he goes and gets puts some dynamite under his John Deere and blows the thing to sky, you know, kingdom come. And there's a bitch of John Deere tractor all over the field. Blows it up. Then he grabs like all his, uh, his add-on bits, his plow and all that stuff, and blows them up too. Don't need them anymore because I'm 100%. But that's what he did. Every, that was, oxen, were, they were valuable. Like that's hugely, that's a whole business, a whole lot, you know, that's his whole life. And, but he knew what was going on. He was being called by God. It was no little deal. It was a big deal. There wasn't like the Holy Spirit wasn't poured out on everyone at that point. It was on this person and he was the next in line. And so then he says, yes, I'm all in. I'm 100%. He was fully committed. Had no plan B because he burned it all and gave it all away to everyone to eat. His plan B was all burnt up. His plan B was destroyed, 100% committed. And if you go down the track, he follows Elijah around, follows, sees miracles happen, all these great stuff. Then he gets to the end and he realizes that God is about to take Elijah up uh, in a whirlwind. And so he's following Elijah and they get to a town um, and, and basically he turns around and Elijah says to Elijah, stay here. But Elijah replied, surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So he's like, he said to him, hey, you just stay here. I'm going to keep walking. He's like, no, I'm going to follow you because he had a question he wanted to ask. And so he said, okay. And so they all walk on to Bethel. And by the way, Bethel means the house of God. It represents, Bethel represents that the time when you encounter God, it's in the house of God, the power of God. When you encountered him for the first time, you encountered Jesus for the first time. And so they went to Bethel. Then he said, they get to the next place, they get to Bethel. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. For the Lord has told me to go to Jericho. But Elisha replied again, as surely as the Lord lives, you yourself will live. I will never leave you. And so he says, I'm not going anywhere. I'm following you. And Jericho, it's the same Jericho that Joshua defeated years ago has been rebuilt. And that's a place of overcoming, of conflict, a place of battle. And in our life, when you get saved, you're going to come some times in your life where you're going to face some battles. You have to overcome some stuff. There's some things you're going to have to overcome till you get to the point where God has called you to do what He's called you to do. So He's still following Him when they get to Jericho. And then Elisha says to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to the Jordan River. But again, Elisha replied, As surely as the Lord lives, and you yourself live, I will never leave you. And so they walked to the Jordan River. Then Elisha folded his cloak together when they get to the river and he struck the water with it and the river divided. And the two of them went across on dry ground. It's not a small river, this is a big river. When they came to the other side, Elisha, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you before I'm taken away. And then he says, please let me inherit a double portion, a double share of your spirit and become your successor. That's the question he wanted to ask the whole time. He said, I just don't want what you have. 
I want double. I want double God's anointing, double God's power, double miracles, double everything. And he says, you've asked a difficult thing, but if you see me when I'm taken from you, then you will get your request. But if not, then you won't. The Jordan River represents this. Many, this wasn't the first time the water passed. When, they, when the Ark of the Covenant, when Joshua was moving through, when, that, when the priests carried the covenant, they stepped into the water and the Jordan River was in full flood, bursting the banks. And as soon as the presence of God, the anointing of God touched the river, it stopped flowing and backed up in flood. And everything else emptied out to the Red Sea. And it said the ground became dry and thousands and thousands and thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of Israelites, the whole nation walked through. And the next battle was at Jericho and they took the city of Jericho into the promised land. So the Jordan River represents your destiny. It represents you stepping into your purpose, stepping into what is promised by God. And at the same point, Elisha, Elijah grabs his cloak, splits the river. They cross over. Elijah was going to heaven, but Elisha's about to receive his inheritance, he, what was promised, and he's going to get a double portion. And so, and as you read on, the chariots came, the whirlwind came, picked up the chariots of fire, picked up Elijah. He went to heaven, and the thing, the only thing that remained was, the, was his cloak that fell down. And he cries out, and he picks up the cloak. He walks back. He walks back to the river. He returned to the bank of the Jordan River. He struck the water with Elijah's cloak and cried out, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Then the river divided and Elisha went across. A group of prophets saw, from Jericho saw a distance what had happened. They exclaimed, Elisha's spirit rests upon Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. And he walked into his destiny. And if you read the Bible, he did double the amount of, exactly double the amount of miracles happen in his life than Elijah. But all of that comes back to this point, that when God called him, he had no plan B. He burned it all up. He left it all behind. Whatever was going to hold him back, he had nothing to turn back to. He said, God, I'm in it 100%. I'm in it all the way. Musos, you want to come up tonight? There's no plan B. There's no plan B. Have you been living life with a plan B? Have you been following Jesus thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay, but maybe you've been frustrated, thinking, I know there's more. I know there's more. I know there's, God has more for me. And maybe there's some things you've been hanging on to. And you're saying, tonight I need to let go. I need to lay some stuff down. There's some things I've been trusting in that more than God. I have had a plan B. I have hung on to this thing. I've got it just sitting there just in case, just in case this doesn't work out. God will always come through. Come through. He is faithful. He, is, you can be, he can be trusted. We sang it tonight. You'll never let me down. Sang a song tonight. We sang it passionately. So we sang it passionately. Do you believe it? You'll never let me down. If you will never let you down, then you've got no, you don't need a plan B. He is your plan A, 100%. I want you to stand tonight. Some musos just play. This is all I'm going to do. I want to open up this altar. And if there's some stuff you just want to lay down, there's some stuff you can say, God, 
I've been hanging on to this and I don't need to anymore. I've been, I've been hanging on to this stuff and I've been trusting in those things and I've been hanging on to the, some plan B stuff just in case. And I know I've realized there's some things in my life that have been holding me back and, and I maybe haven't been 100%, maybe going like, I want to trust God, but, but it's like you've been, you've been hanging on to this thing that's been stopping you. And tonight, I'm opening up this altar here. If you just simply, you don't need to say what it is, but you just need to stand here and say, God, here I am. I want to follow you 100%. I want to lay my life down to you 100%. I want to lay down some things in my life, some things in my past, things that are holding me back. God says, I don't want you to be held back. I want you to fulfill everything I've called you to do. As we just sing this song, just at the moment, I'm just going to open this up. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.